Folks, we wouldn't be where we are today on this show if it wasn't for the support of some fantastic guests who have came back and joined us for multiple interviews. This next guest is one of those. Uh, he was one of the first guests to ever come back on our show during COVID times here in December 2020. You may have seen him um, on local TV um, in Ireland and in the UK last year for Sky Sports NFL, and also now is involved uh, from time to time on the Rich Eisen Show. Uh, the guy needs no introduction, but I will give him one anyway. Ryan Leaf, uh, a very, very warm welcome back to the Irish NFL Show, Ryan. Thanks for having me, boys. It's good to be back. We we always enjoy having having you on, Ryan. And look, we're we're recording this, I suppose, just a few hours after the the Baker Mayfield news has broken, and I I think that's where where we have to to start. Um, I suppose from from your perspective, we'll start with with maybe Baker and and the Panthers. Um, the Panthers, who last year, you know, made a big trade for Sam Darnold, then all the stuff during the season he gets injured cam comes in then in the draft this year they trade up for matt corral now they bring in baker just your thoughts on on what it means for baker and and for the panthers well i think it's good for baker uh, I, I i think it was just an untenable situation in cleveland of course especially after some of the comments that were made by the front office and then you know the approach they had to go out and really mortgage their entire um franchise around Deshaun Watson I mean there was just no worth that Baker Mayfield had felt in in Cleveland and and, and could never again and it's disappointing because I mean people forget pretty quickly this team had won one game in two years and he took them to a divisional round of the playoffs and very closely gave him a chance against the Kansas City Chiefs played injured all last year and now they just you know I, I thought this was incredibly poor on Cleveland's part. So I'm happy for him that he's getting another chance. Um, I'm a little disappointed in the Carolina Panthers willing to accept some of the, some of the contract that, that for me was a big part of why he hadn't moved anywhere yet. I think teams were standing pretty solid that they were not going to accept uh, any of that money. They were going to make Cleveland pay every dime of it. If he was going to get traded and to go somewhere else. So a little disappointed in them doing that. Um, but I think it's a good spot. Doesn't, you know, necessarily bode well for a guy I really like and Sam Darnold there in Carolina. And, uh, and, and Baker's a really good mentor for a young quarterback like Matt Corral, I do believe. So I think they, they, they definitely upgraded their quarterback room. Um, and, you know, Cleveland may have had the most absolutely um, catastrophic off season than I've ever witnessed. I mean, this team is about to just absolutely implode in front of everybody. And I, I think a lot of people are going to be happy to see that. And and on that, I suppose, Ryan, if, if, and we don't know what's going to happen, but if Deshaun Watson gets suspended for eight games for a season, do you, do you think that the Browns go with Jacoby Brissett as the starter, or could you see a scenario where they go out and maybe get, I know they have two picks, I think in next year's draft where they give up one of those to get somebody like Jimmy G. That's a possibility. But I think when they went out and got Jacoby Brissett, that was, there was a reason why, you know, um, you know, he was a very reliable backup for Tua uh, as well as when he was in new England. Right. Uh, for Tom Brady. And then he was forced into action um, backing up Andrew Luck. So I think that the Cleveland Browns, of course, are comfortable with, with Brissett if he's got to go and he better be, re be ready to go because I, I'm anticipating a, a, a year suspension here coming down the pike for Deshaun Watson. 
Ryan, we were we were fortunate to be in LA to see the Ram to witness the Rams win the Super Bowl in February. And not too long after the Super Bowl, yeah, you were on the Retrieving Show and you were reflecting on the season and the Super Bowl, and you said that the Rams were very much in a win now situation, and thankfully they got over the line. If they were to return to Super Bowl this year, it would be the third one in fifth year. And you know, people would say they're such a strong side, they should be returning to the Super Bowl. Do you feel they're still in a win now situation because of the work in which they've done in the this offseason between Alan Robinson and you know, securing the contracts with Cup and, and Donald. Yeah, I mean they they lost some too. Um, I think they I think they lost more than than what they added necessarily. Um, but Sean McVay, he's inventive. The two most important pieces to that puzzle was Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. Those two guys are the reasons, besides Matthew Stafford, late in that football game against the Cincinnati Bengals, why they won the Super Bowl. Both those guys are back. Um, the addition of Liam Cohen as offensive coordinator returns from his one-year sabbatical uh, down at the University of Kentucky, really redefining offense there at the University of Kentucky. Uh, I think he makes a, a natural, smooth transition back into his time with the Rams, and and I think that's full speed ahead for him. You know, we'll, we'll get a good idea what this team is like. I mean, there was a lot of speculation this offseason around even Coach Sean McVay, whether he steps into the box and starts calling games rather than um, – then coaching them, you know, is Aaron Donald retiring? Is Matthew Stafford going to get an extension? Cooper Cup? I mean, there's so much that went into it. Most of it got done. How does the team respond? And don't be surprised, like any other team that has gone through success, there's a, it's a long season. You're playing 17 games. There may become a, maybe a spell where they lose a few in a row and the world's not over. LA is going to be right, right in the mix when it's all said and done. So um, uh, I expect them to be the, the best team in the NFC West once again. Sticking from the Rams over the old team, Ryan, the Chargers, Justin Herbert going into his first season in the league. And it's going to be really intriguing to see how he plays this season, taking the next step. You've talked numerous times about uh, the pressure of being a quarterback in the NFL. Are you impressed with how composed Justin Herbert is? And at the same time as well, there's a lot of uh, changes to the playing staff this season. So it's an intriguing division, but Justin Herbert really stands out there. Yeah, I got a chance to a couple of weeks ago to spend the weekend with Justin. Uh, we played a little golf, um, kind of talked about just, you know, life and how he's handling things. And he's been incredibly, incredibly poised, uh, kind of thrust into action, of course, his rookie year. And he's just made the absolute most of it. And I could argue uh, that he is uh, that he could be the best best quarterback in the NFL this year. Um so good, so good that I was willing to, uh, while in London, be up at 5 a.m. on that final Sunday night of, of the season, watching that Raiders-Chargers game and watching him execute. I think it was like 5 a.m. local time, and I was still awake in my flat there in London watching it, uh, watching it play out. He's, he's, really, he's really impressive. Two biggest signings, I think, this offseason for, for the Chargers were, were, was them and their ability to retain Mike Williams. He's a huge part of the success of Justin Herbert. They have a great relationship. He made, he let me know that that was a huge part of it. And then when Khalil Mack got traded, he said, you put him, you bookend it, bookend him with, with Joey Bosa. It's a different, different defense. And Brandon Staley is going to be able to do some more things uh, that he wasn't able to do last year. So they have to improve on defense. Brandon Staley has got to make better decisions in terms of, there was two games last year that that probably were were lost because of some of the decision making Brandon Staley made in his first year, 
And then Justin Herbert's got to can just continue being the guy that he's been. Don't, don't be any different. Just be the guy you've been and you'll be just as successful. So uh, I, I, I really like it. Unfortunately for them, they're, they're playing in the most difficult division in all of football. You, you brought um, Russell Wilson into the mix and now that division is just absolutely loaded and they're just going to, they're going to beat up on one another. They play each other twice each. It's going to be a big part of it. The AFC West is just, just brutal. Yeah, that, that will certainly be fascinating to, to watch. Ryan, ahead of the draft, um, you, you were kind of saw you analyze the combine and talk, you know, about some of how difficult it can be, particularly for wide receivers and, and quarterbacks, because they don't get to, you know, they don't play together. And two of the um, guys you spoke about were Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis. Um, looking at, say, um, Pickett and maybe the, the Steelers, um, he's gone to a place where, you know, he has a fantastic head coach, a lot of stability in, in, the, in the Steelers, but obviously they're moving on from Big Ben. They've got Mitchell Trubisky there. What's your feelings, I suppose, around the, the Steelers and Trubisky and, and Pickett and how that might play out? I was a little surprised with Mitchell Trubisky that he, that he didn't end up in New York. Uh, with Brian Dable, you know, he had spent the, the entire year with him, of course, in Buffalo. Um, so then when, when I heard he went to Pittsburgh, uh, I thought, wow, that's, that's interesting. That's a good fit. I think that's a good opportunity for him. And then I was, I was pleasantly um, surprised that, that Pittsburgh took Kenny Pickett uh, in, in the first round. And um, because I, I really like the young man, I think he's got uh, a good future, especially the fact that he was drafted by such a strong foundation of an organization like the Pittsburgh Steelers. The more and more I've looked at it since the draft, though, the way teams went about drafting quarterbacks this year and how far players fell, I think Pittsburgh may have reached, you know, because I think Mitchell Trubisky's their guy uh, all year long this year. And in fact, um, you know, rumblings out of Pittsburgh is that Mason Rudolph has kind of established himself as the number two guy, which is, you know, that makes you think when you got a guy that was drafted that highly in the first round and he's the third string quarterback this year, that that may have been a bit of a reach. So we'll see. We'll wait and see. Um, I still think it's a it's he's a, he's a he's got a chance to be a great pro quarterback um, for the Steelers. And then I really like where Malik Willis ended up in Tennessee with Mike Vrabel. Um, under Ryan Tannehill, getting to learn. Um, I think they've really established their, their future at the quarterback position with that pick. And I suppose just in terms of, you know, some of the, the stuff we've seen and it gets picked up on, but you, you've played the position. Ta like the Titans, obviously very disappointing with the way things ended last year. We, it just didn't work on offense against the Bengals at all. We saw Ryan Tannehill speak about that. Then he gets asked about, you know, mentoring Willis. And he says kind of, that's not my job. Willis has come out to say since he's found Tannehill to be really helpful. Would he, you know, as, as somebody who's been in the locker room, how much will what Tannehill said, do players take any notice of that? I don't think players take notice of that. I, I will say this, Jim Harbaugh was my, my competition in San Diego at quarterback. And, uh, and if anybody's who ever met, who's ever met Jim, he's maybe one of the most competitive individuals you've ever met. And we competed our tail off. And once I won the job, there was a shift, right? Once I had clearly, and he understood that I had won and seen that I had won the job, he really became a mentor. He really became a guy that taught me, tried to help this team win. And then when his number was called, 
um, he was ready to go. So, you know, I, I, I think that like any guy, you, you are focused on being the starting quarterback of an NFL football team. And Ryan Tannehill, his, his responsibility is not to mentor Malik Willis, to, to teach him how to take his job. His job is to play as well as he can and, you know, show Malik the right way to go about things. Now, if he goes about it the wrong way, Malik's going to see that as well. You know, anything, he, anything that Ryan does during his tenure uh, in Tennessee while Malik is there, Malik should learn from it. So that's the way Malik should look at it. Ryan should never even have to even answer that question about being a mentor for somebody. That's not his responsibility. Ryan, uh, Fairfield and Conservative are two words you've used in the past for Tua. And obviously this, this offseason, they've brought in a very, I suppose, offensive-minded coach. They've, it's reflective of what they've done in free agency with Wilson, the Cowboys, obviously Terry Kill. Where do you stand on Tua going into the season? Because there's very much a feel of if he doesn't make, this, make the grade this year with all those players around him, that potentially will have to move on next, potentially in the next offseason. Yeah, I mean, I, there, there really isn't any excuses, right, when the season's over with the additions that have been brought in, you know, the, the drafting of Waddle a year ago, uh, bringing in Tyreek Hill, the additions at the, at the running back position, uh, and bringing Mike McDaniel over from, from San Francisco. He's very innovative. He does some very interesting things on the offensive side of the football. This team's going to be run-oriented, run okay? They're going to run the ball first. They're going to pound you with it. And they're going to allow Tua to move the pocket a little bit, maybe find some better throwing lanes for his undersized body and use the speed he has out on the perimeter. And I think it could be incredibly successful. He's, he's very accurate. He's always been very accurate. He's got to be willing to take more chances. He's got to know what he's seen on the back end. And that's been a bit of a struggle for him in the first couple of years. So I think the world's his oyster right there in, in Miami this season. And so we'll wait and see. Uh, he plays in a division with probably, you know, the best quarterback uh, in football right now, Josh Allen. And uh, you got to see him twice a year as well as the Patriots. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll find out. They've been just short of the playoffs the last couple of years. And, and with all the, the money they spent, um, the time and resources they put into building up around uh, Tua Tungabailoa, he's got to have a, he's got to have a big year. And, and I would say they, they have to at the very least be a wild card team uh, in this year's playoffs. You were one of the few people, Ryan, uh, that didn't think that Debo Samuel should have got, uh, shouldn't have got paid by the 49ers, and Debo may not have had the same success if he was to be treated to maybe as sometimes, or you know, it's more about the scheme with the team and the player. Do you see a difficult season uh, if he does return to the 49ers, uh, if they continue to use him in that dual position of uh, wide receiver and running back, and how does he, how would this impact Trey Lance for you if he's trying to cement his position as a long-term quarterback in San Francisco? Well, I mean, for Trey Lance in his initial year, if he doesn't have the best player on the football field, Debo Samuel, then then he's going to have have a tough time. You know, um, it, it, everything it, it seems to be trending in the direction that Debo's going to be on the field. Well, you know, training camp hasn't opened yet; it opens up in here in a few weeks. But um, you know, Mike McDaniel was very inventive in how he got him the football. I don't think that's going to change. You know, Kyle Shanahan is is ultimately the innovator and in all of that uh, he's a very good offensive coordinator he's a very good football coach so if Debo Samuel's on the field regardless of who's at quarterback they're going to find a way to get him the football uh, because he was the difference maker down the stretch uh, for that for that team to extend their way into the playoffs and and, and further so uh, the Trey Lance scenario you know is 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 confusing right they they 
gave away a lot to move up to number three to get him. And they had a franchise quarterback, I feel, and Jimmy Garoppolo already on their roster. Uh, so uh, this is going to be a really interesting year for the San Francisco 49ers and what the outcome ultimately looks like. Right now, a, a year ago, you said it would be unbelievably asinine for the Seahawks to trade Russell Wilson. 12 months on, they did just that. Your thoughts now? Uh, I think he's in his prime. I think he got a Super Bowl winning quarterback who is capable of doing it. You have to build around him, you know, and uh, if they got, if they got what they needed in return that they feel is good enough to rebuild that team, then uh, maybe not as asinine. I just franchise quarterbacks rule the NFL. That's the reason they get paid $50 million a year. It's just, it's just how it is. You have to have a franchise quarterback. Just look what the LA Rams did. They went out and got the guy that they felt was the difference maker. And if you were just a, a fraction off, you don't win the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson's a guy that can win you the Super Bowl. So, um, you know, unfortunately, you know, he, he didn't see the future is bright in Seattle and uh, okay to trade. Because don't forget, it had to be initiated by the team. You know, Russell Wilson would have stayed and played in Seattle. So, uh, I like the fit toughest conference in the tough, toughest division in the conference. That's for sure. With the likes of Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, um, Patrick Mahomes, but uh, the weapons on offense and defense, it's what Vic Fangio said. Remember when he left, he said, all we needed, all we were, we were uh, just deficient in one thing. And that was a franchise quarterback. And they have that now. And Ryan, um, I suppose, following on from that, um, we always enjoy listening to you. And you talked on the, the Rich Eisen show about the fact that teams are being more aggressive in the offseason. In, in the past two Super Bowl winners, obviously Brady and Stafford. But it wasn't just that. You know, we've touched on the players in, in Cup and Donda were drafted. But the Bucks brought in Leonard Fournette. They, they brought in Gronk. Uh, you had the Rams bringing in Von Miller and OBJ. So, you know, there has been this real aggression by some teams um, to kind of go all in now with the Broncos doing that and we've talked kind of about the arms race in the AFC West is that do you think that's a phase that that we're currently seeing in in the league um, and will people go go back to kind of valuing the the draft picks or do you see this as kind of continuing and it'll kind of be this for the maybe the next decade where teams continually try to trade for stellar QBs. Yeah, like I like I talked about, quarterbacks run the league, right? You find the you find the difference maker at quarterback, and you may you may be just just a just a fraction away. Look at what happened in San Francisco. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers are literally one overthrow away from being Super Bowl champions, and Jimmy Garoppolo being a champion as a starter. Instead. They go out and mortgage a ton of their future uh, around moving to the third overall spot to take a kid out of North Dakota State. I mean, they they felt like that fraction was was such so wide of a, of a chasm that they had to fill it with somebody they thought could be a difference maker because they just didn't think Jimmy was the was was enough. And so you go out and find the guy. Jared Goff was in, incredibly impressive. So impressive. Uh, that so that he got an extended contract in LA took his team to a Super Bowl but clearly wasn't the difference maker and who was Matthew Stafford they went out and got him and he was down the stretch he was the difference maker in that game 
Um, and so if that's what you're looking for, Denver definitely stepped up to the plate to do so, right? They went out and got a Super Bowl caliber quarterback, a guy who's won one, who's played in another, who probably should have won another one, and now has an opportunity with a pretty deep football team, offensive weapons, as well as a very strong defense. So if that's the case, right, and a pedigree of winning uh, with, with a quarterback uh, who, who made a move from another franchise after winning a Super Bowl. I mean, it's, it kind of fits hand in hand, uh, following in the footsteps of Peyton. So we'll see it's, if you're a Broncos fan out there, you gotta be just absolutely ecstatic, uh, about what this, what this season brings to the table. It'll be interesting because, uh, first, I think third week of the season, San Francisco comes to town on a Sunday night football game. And, uh, you know, you can look at the, the idea of whether or not you go out and find the quarterback through a trade like Denver did, or you try to do it through the draft. It very well could be Russell Wilson versus Trey Lance in that, that matchup in week three. Ryan, you just found two Broncos fans. Those two boys are Broncos fans. Um, the last time you, you were on, you, you were talking about the draft, and you, you were saying it's hard to even gauge the draft when you were selecting compared to how it is today. So I found it amusing when I looked at the draft in Vegas this year. I talked back to you telling you, your story about the night in which you went to Vegas after you, you were drafted yourself. When you look at it today, does, is there any concerning points for you in terms of the enormity and the expectation for these players coming into the league? And has anybody reached out to you over the past few years looking for some guidance and knowledge who are about to be selected within the draft? Well, I do a lot of speaking to, to colleges. In fact, I'm about to you know, venture out on my college campus tour here in August. I usually take the first three weeks of August and I visit probably anywhere from five to 12 you know, college campuses, and I'll come across teams and players who are going to be in those positions. You know, I worked closely with with Matt Matt Corral and Sam Williams a year ago. You know, a few years back with Clemson and, and Trevor Lawrence, and so yeah, those guys reach out if they need to talk about anything, because um, I understand what the expectations are going to be. Like. But also, I make it very clear to them, like you chose this, right? I don't want you at any point playing the victim. All right. You chose this. Now it's up to you to make the proper choices. You take the positive and healthy route when you are confronted with a fork in the road and, and, and do what you do. And uh, if you do that, you're going to have, you're going to be successful. And, you know, I can point out many times where I, I chose the, the negative and toxic path when, uh, when I came up against some adversity and challenges and things like that. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I talk with guys when I can, I try to support, especially Justin in, 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 in Los Angeles here, just, you know, simply because, you know, I'm an alumnus of the chargers played three years there. I know what it's like to be a quarterback, uh, uh, in that organization and, and, and have a, a ton on your shoulders. So, uh, I do what I can. It's purposeful work. It's fun to be around the sport and be a part of it. And, you know, I hope I get to continue to do that in the, in the foreseeable future. Ryan, just final question. This has been great fun and it's been great to have you back again. Uh, just, I, I know you spoke about a few teams there. Is there any other team that stands out to you that, that you feel it could make a real run this season that we haven't talked about? And on the other side of the ball, is there a team that you feel may struggle this season that people are predicting might do well? Um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think the Patriots may be in for a, a rough one. I, you know, they went all in, uh, in free agency last year, it, it resulted in a playoff berth, but they got absolutely dominated by dominated by a team in their division. I didn't see much movement this year. I know Mac Jones got better. Um, uh, and that's a big part of this, but I, I think that, 
you know, we, we, we may see the, uh, the back, the back side of, of Mount Belichick here, um, when it starts to slide a little bit. So I, I think most people assume that they're going to be right there again, and, and they may, may very well be, I just think they, they may struggle a bit. Um, on the, uh, opposite side, I think the addition of Matt Ryan in Indianapolis is a, is, is a complete game changer in that division with two of the teams really down in Jacksonville and Houston. I think the real only competition is Tennessee. Uh, we'll see how Ryan Tannehill rebound, rebounds from last year's um, tough loss in the playoffs. Um, but I, I really like the Colts, Jonathan Taylor, Matt Ryan. It's just a matter of whether or not he finds and connects with some wide receivers there. That wide receiver room seems a little thin to see if somebody jumps up and steps away from the pack and becomes like a real difference maker for, for Matt Ryan this season. And we always uh, love having you on the show. We enjoy watching you on Sky Sports. Um, for our viewers um, out there, we know you had a, a podcast come out kind of the tail end of last year and, and early early this year. Um, how can they go about finding finding you? Um, yeah, they can they can go listen to the podcast anywhere you get your podcast at. Bust the Ryan Leaf story. It's been tremendous. I think we were over a million downloads, and it it's a ten episode arc. You know, it's right in your face. Doesn't, doesn't pull any punches. Um, and you can reach me out, you know, always reach me out on, on my social media platforms at Ryan D leaf. So I appreciate you guys, um, having me back on and keep going strong. It's fun to see your guys' success. Uh, look forward to hopefully, uh, maybe running into you when I get back, uh, over the pond next time. Well, fingers crossed for that. We're looking forward to the the games in London. Uh, we got th three games and obviously a game now in Munich. So it's fantastic to, to see the game growing internationally. But Ryan, thank you for joining us once again and continued success in your career. Yes, sir. Thank you guys very much for having me. Have a wonderful day.